7. As I look out at the congregation this morning, I see some, some, how do I put this, not old faces, but faces I haven't seen in a while. And it's certainly good to see you all, Donnie. So glad to have you all, you and Miss Barbie, in our service time this morning, as well as the rest of you all. It's always a, a blessing to be here, and it's always an honor for me to stand in this place. I just pray this morning that the words that we say will, will honor our Lord, and it'll bring encouragement to His people. Who knows? Today may be the day that God has set aside in eternity past to grant someone repentance and faith. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see someone come to the knowledge of the truth today in our midst? If you will, stand with us for the reading of the Scriptures and after the reading of Scriptures and prayer, you can be seated. John's Gospel, chapter 7, uh, one verse I'm going to read in your hearing, then we'll go back and, and do a little survey uh, from this chapter. Verse number 11 says, Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? I want you to let that last phrase soak in for just a few moments because that's the topic we're going to be talking about this morning is the question, Where is he? So may the Lord add his blessings to the reading of God's word and let God's people say, Praise the Lord. And you may be seated. As the record opens up in the Gospel according to John, it's the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, or it's known as the Feast of Booths. In this particular feast, it is the last of the seven feasts that had been commanded to, the, to God's people, and this was a seven-day-long feast. We find here in the opening part of these Scriptures that this is the beginning, or if you will, the starting of this Feast of Tabernacles. And the brothers of our Lord Jesus Christ asked him, said, why don't you now go up to the feast and show yourself, show some of the miracles that you do. You know, if a man wants to be known, you know, he should go show himself. The reason that his brother said this, if you'll read these verses, you'll find in verse number 5, that his brothers did not at this particular time believe on him as well. As we go down through and we survey just a little further in this chapter, you will find that our Lord does eventually go up secretly into the, into the feast where He is encountered. Where we come to our passage of Scripture in verse number 11, where that the Jews had sought Him, they're looking for Him, but they cannot find Him and they ask this question, where is He? Verses 12 and 13, we find that among the crowd that is, that is gathered there, and I'm assuming and I'm thinking that there was a vast number of people that were swarming around and were asking these questions. Where is he? Have you seen him? Well, I've seen him and I know who he is. He's a pretty good man. And others would say, no, 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 he's deceiving the people. He's not that great of a man. If you read on down in the chapters, you'll find out that some of them even thought that he was demon-possessed. As we look at this chapter this morning, I want this to focus at you, and may the Lord enlighten your minds to ask this question. Where is He? Where is He to you? 
So as we, we look, the word murmuring here, it says that they were murmuring. I looked this word up and it was like the sound of swarming bees or waters falling over rocks. A whole lot of noise was going on. And it's the same way in the world today. There's a lot of noise going on. There's a lot of murmuring going on about the Lord Jesus Christ today. You can ask the average person in, as you go into your jobs or in the supermarkets, you know, what do you think about the Lord Jesus Christ? You'll get a varied numbers of answers about who He is and where He is. This morning I want us to look at it, and I want us to look at it very seriously and soberly this morning. Where is He in your life? Where is Christ in your life? Are you murmuring? Are you like that crowd that was there today? You're kind of a mixed emotion. Well, he's a good man, but I don't really know who he is. You must know him. Listen to me, church. If you don't hear another word I say this morning, hear this word right here. Before you leave this place, he needs to be Lord in your life. He needs to be the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior. That's the most important thing that you need to answer here before you leave this place this morning. Is Jesus Christ your Lord? There's three things, three ways in which you can look at the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of these are found in this particular chapter. You will look at Him and you'll think like His brothers. He was a liar. They didn't believe Him. Go up and prove yourself, He said, if you're who you say you are. You either look at Him when someone tells you about the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, how He came, He suffered, He died, on the third day He was resurrected, and right now seated at the right hand of God and the Father making intercession for you. Or you'll say, no, He's a liar. He's not, he's not there. You know, you may not say that with your mouth. You may not say that in public. But by your actions and the way you deny Him, yes, you are. You're calling Him a liar. The second thing you can look at, or you observe him at, is a lunatic. In Mark's Gospel, chapter number 3 and verse number 21, our Lord had just done some miracles. He had healed a man. He's called his 12 disciples. And we find in that 21st verse there that his friends, and if you have a King James Center Column Reference Bible, you look at that, that word friends there means his family. Said, we gotta go out. We gotta lay hold on him. He's lost his mind. There's a lot of people in the world today when they look at the Lord Jesus Christ, they look at him as a lunatic. You fit one of these categories that I'm talking to you about this morning. You either saying by your life, by your denial of him, that he's a liar. Or in and of yourself, you may be thinking, He's a lunatic. That man's gone crazy. He studied too much. His eyes are red. His mind is shot. Let's go lay hold on him and bring him back. And the third thing, and this is which I pray that everybody here today realizes him as. He's the Lord. He's the Lord. You fit one of those categories here today. With that being said, let's get into the the message just a little bit this morning. Now, if I run over just a little bit, it's okay. I want you to know you can blame this on your deacon, your chairman of the deacons, Brother Mike Hartley. And the reason that you can blame him for that is because this morning he fired me. So I'm at will to go. You see this? 
It don't mean nothing. See what you got? Where is he? That's the question. Where is he? People ask this question about Jesus from different motives, from different areas. Jesus can no longer remain neutral in your life. You must confront him now. You've heard about him. You can't just say, well, I don't know, because you do. You've got to take a stand one way or another concerning the Lord Jesus Christ today. For many reasons, people ask the question, where is he? I wonder this morning in this congregation of people about that question that may be going through your mind right now and why it may be going through your mind right now. Where is he? We're going to look this morning at a few things, and I say just a few things this morning, and I want us to consider. Consider with me this morning as we look at this particular chapter and other verses throughout the Bible. I want you to consider with me the question and how it's been asked. One way that the question has been asked that we see here in these passages of Scripture is the Jews ask this question, where is he? They ask that question because of their hatred toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you read on down in this particular chapter, our Lord tells His brothers there. He says, the world doesn't hate you. It hates me. And the reason that it hates me is because I testify of it. I tell it the truth. That's one way, and that's one reason that people ask. The Jews was asking this question that day because they hated him. They wanted him dead. They wanted him out of their lives. He had upset the proverbial religious apple cart when he come in. And now they have a jealous hatred toward him. That's one way and that's one reason that people ask, where is he? Now you, you may not be here today and you may not have that hatred. But if you go out in society today, it's okay. If you use God in a generic term, oh, we pray to God. Because in our world and in our society today, by definition, there are many gods. Everybody serves a God. But then you break it down and you start saying, and I worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then you pinpointed it. And then the world starts to sneer and they start to, their hatred toward Christ. They hated Him so bad in the time that He walked upon this earth some 33 and a half years, never done any evil, went around healing and helping people, but they nailed Him to a tree. That shows you the depravity in the human heart. And let's get that one thing straight before I move any further about talking about depravity. Men are born in total, total depravity. From the sole of their foot to the crown of their head, there is absolutely nothing good in mankind. Total depravity. Now think about that let it marinate a while as I go to my next point. 
People hated him. They hated him without cause. They hung him on a tree. But I love what Brother Gerald said this morning during our Sunday school class. God can take our utter disobedience and turn it around and His purposes will be done. Yes, the Jews and the Pharisees and all them, they did what was ever in their heart's desire. But in the background, if you read Acts chapter 2, that Jesus Christ was hung on that cross by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. That's the God we serve. Who was it said this morning about Brother Tony Evans? He could take a crooked stick and hit a bullseye with it. I like that. That's our God. Men out of hatred ask this question. Where is he? I imagine with a sneer, with jealousy in their hearts, where is he? Why isn't he here? The second way people, or reason that people ask this question is they do it to discredit his teaching. Well, where is he? Second Peter chapter number... 3 and verse number 4, if you look at the second epistle of, of Peter written there, you'll find in that particular chapter there, there were those mockers and scoffers in, the, in that day and they were mocking his teaching. Where is the promise of his coming? How many of you ever heard that? You know, we talk about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ when he appears on the clouds of glory to bring us back home with him. Now, this morning we're not going to get into your, your dispensational beliefs about if you're a pre-meal, all-meal, post-meal. I don't care which meal you're grinding at as long as you know that he's coming back. Okay? Let's get that out of the way. But there were scoffers in that day and they were saying, where's the promise of his coming? They've been saying he's been coming for thousands of years now. You ever heard that? Where's he at? People will argue with you. They'll pick arguments with you just to see if they can prove the Bible wrong. You ever heard anybody say there's contradictions in the Scriptures, Jonathan? You know what that means? They have not yet understood the passage. This book is perfect. The Word of God is perfect. Not one jot, not one tittle, not one dotting of the I, not one crossing of the T will fail this book. If you think there's contradictions in it, you haven't yet understood what it means. But there's people out there that will ask this question, where is he? So that they may try to discredit his word. They tried to do it in his lifetime. They tried to cross him up. You remember when they brought the woman taken in adultery and they tried to cross him up? Our Lord Jesus Christ was too smart for them, though. They all walked away. People try to discredit his word. Where is he? You ever ask that question? You ever ask that question? Well, you know, I, I like to read the Bible, but I don't know if it's all true. You ever ask that question to yourself? It is. Holy men of old were, would write as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. God breathed. That's what that means. This word is God breathed inspired by God. Some people ask where he is because of fear. Because of fear. Doubting his very presence. Any of you ever been in situations, circumstances, dark times in your lives 
whenever the storms are rolling in. It's not a matter of if the storms come, it's just when. Storms are in your life. Things are going just in a whirl. You don't know which way to turn, where you're going to go next, what you're going to do. And this question goes through your mind. Where's God in all this? Where's he at in all of this? Sometimes we cry out to him in fear. Where are you, God? Well, let me read you a passage of scripture that comes from the book of Job, chapter number 23. Job, chapter number 23, verses 8 and 9. It says, Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. Backward, but I can't perceive him. On the left hand, for he doth work, but I can't behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. You ever felt that way? One phone call changes your whole life, and you're wondering, God, where are you at in all of this turmoil and this tribulation, all this heartbreak that I'm going through? True story. A lady once lost her son in a very terrible car accident. She was crushed. She kept asking the question, where's God when my son died? Where's he at? Her minister goes to her one day and he's listening and sitting beside her as she's weeping and crying and she looks at him with saddened heart, broken heart, tears streaming down her face and she says, Pastor, where was God? When my son died, he answered very wisely. He said he's in the same place he was when his son died on the cross. He's in heaven right now. He's still under control. Sometimes, folks, we've got to learn to look not at the storm, but through the storm to see what's on the other side. You see, God knows what's coming. He knows what's on the other side. And sometimes God allows us to go through storms to sanctify us. He's working His purpose in us. He's building our confidence, our trust in us. Job asked these questions. I've looked everywhere. I've looked to the right. I've looked to the left. I've looked to the front. I've looked to the back. I can't find Him anywhere. He's still there. But there's people that ask these questions. Perhaps maybe you have today. Or you have in your life. God, where are you? Where is he? And then there's those that ask where is he at? Because they have a repentant, humble, looking to confess their sins. They're looking to God. They want to trust in the Lord. They're looking for him. My heart's bursting. I, I see who I am. I see what I am. I'm a sinner deserving hell and condemnation. i got to cry out to Him. He's my only hope. Where is He? Can I give you some good news? I'm glad you said I could. Did you know that when you're looking for Him, that when you're searching for Him, when you have this in your heart, that Lord, I'm sorry, 
Where are you? Do you know that He's already been searching for you? Do you know that He initiated it? Do you know that He came to you first before you ever thought of coming to Him? John's Gospel chapter 15 and verse number 16 is a very profound truth where He says, You have not chosen Me, but I have chosen you. He come looking for you before you ever wanted to look for Him. There's some that are seeking Him today and asking where He is because of they want to have communion with Him. They want to show their love for Him. And they want to serve Him. In the Songs of Solomon, I, I don't know how many of you have ever read through the Songs of Solomon, but in the Songs of Solomon, chapter number 3, verses 1 through 3, let me give you just a little bit of background. Did you know that the Songs of Solomon, that the, that the story Cinderella was taken from that? From the Songs of Solomon? Yes. The background of that. Here's, here's the background. King Solomon goes into the village. He goes dressed as a normal man. He's not in his kingly apparel. He doesn't have his, his parade behind him. He's not in his chariot. He's not in his white horse. He just goes into a town dressed like any other normal guy. And he meets a young girl, a young Shulamite girl. She's been a servant most of her life. Now, I know that most ladies in our, in our day and time, they like to get their skin tanned, you know, and things. They say, well, that looks much better. Well, in that particular period, it was more uh, attractive for the women to be, you know, very pale and fair. That's what they looked at. Well, this young Shulamite girl, because she had to work in the vineyards, she was dark. And she thought, nobody will look at me. But here comes King Solomon just strolling through the town and he sees the young Shulamite girl. They meet. They fall in love. He says, I'm going to leave you for a while, but I'll be back. Be looking for me. She goes through the streets. She can't sleep. Her, her pillow is wet with tears. She's wanting her love and she's wanting to see where he's at. She goes to the town watcher. Says, where is the one I love? Where is he at? And then all of a sudden we're introduced back to King Solomon. But this time, he comes in his royal apparel, riding his chariot with his white horses, streaming ahead of him, looking for the Shulamite girl. They're joined together again and they rejoice. Are you seeking communion with Christ? Do you long to have that communion with Him? That loving relationship. Now not only does that picture the, the, the story of Cinderella, but it pictures the bride, His church. Because when Christ come here the first time, He come as an ordinary man. When people looked at Him, there was no beauty to behold Him. He was just like any other guy. But He met someone. He met His bride. He met the church. He gave His life for it. He says, I'm coming again to get you. And when He comes back the second time, He comes as a king. Not as a servant, but as a king. Are you seeking communion today? Is that the reason you're asking? Where is he at? You want that communion. That's a good thing. Now, with those questions asked, <clears throat> I want to give you some answers. 
Number one, where is he? You can find him. He's at the right hand of God the Father. He's at the throne. He's on his mercy seat. He's waiting there for you to call out to him. He's always available. You don't never call the Lord and get a busy signal. He's always there 24-7, 365, 366 if it's a leap year. You'll never get a busy signal looking for Him. He's right there on His mercy seat wanting to show mercy to you. He's in His Word. Whenever you open the pages of God's Holy Word and you're looking for Him, He's there. You know what this is? This is the voice of God speaking to man. He's on every page. I heard it said of Spurgeon one time. He said, if you don't see the Lord Jesus Christ in every passage of Scripture, you have not yet got the right interpretation of that passage. He's on every page of the Word of God. How long has it been since you opened your Bible and said, Lord, manifest Yourself to me? Show me who You are. There's all types of gods of the imagination in our world today. But I'm asking you this morning, when you say, where is He? Are you looking for the God of this book? The God of this book and the God of the world is very different. The God of the imagination, some God that you just take out from time to time. When you're done, you put Him on the shelf. When you need Him, you take Him back down. No, that's not the God of this book. You can find Him there. You can find Him right here. Now, I'm not talking about an old-fashioned altar. I'm talking about right here in the congregation of His people, even if they're just two or three. He said, I'll be in the midst. Are you looking for Him today? Have you asked that question? Where are you? He's here. He dwells amongst His people. He said, I'll be with you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. I'm right here. Whenever we observe the Lord's Supper, the communion table, He says, I'm that bread. I'm there. I'm that cup that you take. That's my blood. He's there. He's, he's here right now today. He's in the field with you in the field of service. When you're out these doors, when you're working and, and serving your Lord out there. He's right there beside you. Brother Todd, when you're pastoring here, He's right with you. He'll never leave you, my brother. And He'll never leave you, His child. He's right there with you, walking beside you. He's in the furnace. In our trials, He's there. As He was with the Hebrew children, He's with you today. It doesn't matter what trial or tribulation you may be going through this morning. No matter how dark the difficulties you may be facing, He's right there with you. When you can't feel His hand, you trust His heart. He's right there. He's near you. He's with you. He's in us. And I wanted to say to Job when I was reading those passages when he said, I've looked to the right, to the left, I've looked to the right, I've looked forward, I've looked backwards. I want to say, Job, look up. Look up. You know, they, they tell me that you can take a bumblebee 
and put it in a glass jar, leave the top off of it, and he'll never come out. You know why? He don't look up. He don't know he can get out. The same thing with a bat. You can take a bat and put them in a container, but leave the top off of it. They'll never come out because they don't look up. Sometimes the reason, folks, that we are stuck in our dilemmas and our circumstances is we fail to look up. We're looking everywhere. We're looking forward, backward, here and here. We look to the pastor. We look to the deacons. Look up! It's what we need to do. I don't care what you're facing today. Look up. He's there. What about you? There's got to be a response. Like I told you earlier, You've been confronted now. You can't remain neutral to the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to take a stand right now. Is He at the bottom of your trust? Is He, is he the foundation that you're built upon? You're not like the old guy that built his house on the sand, are you? Because when the storm comes, it'll fall. But when your house is built on the solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ, it will stand. You see where your joy comes from. This world that we live in today, it's a joy-seeking bunch. You know, we're looking to this, that, all types of different gadgets and gizmos, you know, that, you know, supposed to make us happy. Well, let me tell you something. That anything that you can purchase in this world, I don't care what it is, house, land, cars, gadgets, gizmos, they're only temporary. They're only temporary. The only place that you'll find true joy is your relationship and your communion in and with the Lord Jesus Christ. Is He on the throne of your heart? Is He on the throne of your heart today? You may ask, where is He, preacher? I ask you, where is He? He on the throne of your heart? Is He your joy? Is He your trust? Is He your Lord? Do you talk with Him? Daily. When's the last time you prayed? You ain't like the old guy that said, Lord, I hadn't prayed to you in 20 years. If you'll get me out of this, I won't bother you for 20 more. Pray daily. That's the key to communion. Prayer we're talking to God. Study. He's talking to us. You know, it, it, it's terrible. But some Christians have a one-sided conversation. They'll only pray. And that when in trouble. But they never give God an opportunity to talk to them. Amen? I mean, y'all can say amen if you want to. If you don't want to say amen, you can say, oh me. I got a couple of laughs. But it's the truth. How long has it been since you prayed? How long has it been since you realized that He is your only joy, true joy and hope? My last question to you. Is He walking before you all the way to the end of your journey? What about it today? Are you asking the question, where are you? 
There's several ways that people ask that question. But I want to ask you this morning, you ask that question because you're seeking the Savior. Well, I got good news. He's seeking you. He said, there is none that has ever come to me that I've ever cast out. None. He said, any that will call upon my name with their heart, with that mouth speaking, confession and repentance that I've failed to grant salvation. Where is he? Where is he in your life? Roger, where you at, brother? Let's have a song this morning. With that, this question. Ask it to yourself. Where is the Lord Jesus Christ with you?